Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Alright, I have just a few minutes to share a charge with you, so I'm going to be as fast as possible. In the next few minutes, I'm going to continue our prayer series because we're teaching on prayer and i can just come here and lead you in prayers but you see the teaching is as important as the practice hallelujah the teaching is as important as the practice a lot of people say that you learn to pray by praying and i know what they mean you don't grow in your prayer discipline except you actually pray you can listen to a million sermons that tell you about the need to pray consistently but until you surrender yourself to the discipline of consistent prayer, you actually will not have a prayer life. But it is not exactly true that the way to learn to pray is by praying. It's not exactly true. There is a teaching on prayer. There is a doctrine on prayer. The disciples of Jesus, they were were already prayerful. They had a prayer life. But when they saw Jesus praying, they knew his prayer was different. They came to him one day and said, teach us to pray. So there is a lesson on prayer. There is what to learn about prayer. Are you aware that Jesus never prayed with his disciples? In his earthly ministry, he never prayed with his disciples. Apparently, they had a lot to learn. They had a lot to learn. Sometimes few of them will have the privilege to be at least close to where he's praying, but he will always leave them and go farther. He prayed alone. Hallelujah. I believe personally it had a lot to do with their capacity. All right? So there is a teaching on prayer. There is. And that's what we're here to learn. And we talked about why pray, right? Were you blessed by those teachings? And now we want to talk about how long must we pray? How long must we pray? And as I began to meditate on this and how to go about this teaching, I realized that it doesn't matter to God or to anyone how long. It's important that we have a consistent and um, tenacious prayer culture, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be effective, isn't it? And you see, that leads me to address a precarious situation in the body of Christ. You see, a lot of people have been so used to God and so used to prayer that prayer cannot achieve much in their life. And it's not about the power of prayer. It's just about their disposition. Let me tell you this. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 about Isaiah's vision. He saw a vision of the throne room of God. He saw the cherubims. How the flew around the throne of God. He was awestruck. And then he said something very remarkable. He said, woe is me. In verse 5. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. Can I tell you this? One thing about the glory of God is this. It exposes our hypocrisy. It brings us to a point of honesty. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about honesty. 
Because many times, especially people who have been in church long enough, you have learned to just come to the house of God. I mean, we are the house of God collectively. Come to fellowship with the brethren. And you know, there is an elephant in the room, but no one is addressing it. You know that there is stuff in your life that this prayer is not affecting, and you are not ready to address it. And you just go on with the religious bureaucracy, and then you go home. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you categorically that if you claim to have an encounter that does not bring you to a point of honesty, you didn't have an encounter at all. It must bring you to a place of self-awareness. I call it an alignment to say, this is who God has ordained me to be. This is who I am now. I have to align. Let me ask you this. Some of you know what I'm saying. Has it ever happened to you that you were praying to God, just enjoying fellowship, and then all of a sudden, the thought of something you did in the past that you even enjoyed in that time, Something sinful you did in the past came to mind and it irritated you. If you know what I'm saying, raise your hand. You, you know, you just, and you were just like, I did that. It happened in the place of prayer. I'm not talking about, you know, it happened in the place of prayer. Because prayer has a way of aligning us with our true identity. The, listen, we live in a fallen world. And it's very possible for you to get carried away. And pick habits along the way. And do things that are not consistent with your culture, with your nature. It's possible. But prayer becomes our structure and our strategy to make sure that nothing of such grows wings. It nips it by the board before it even has a life. That's what prayer does. So when you expose yourself consistently to this type of encounter, nothing negative can grow, can have a life. Let me tell you something. When you hear that the believer in Christ, especially someone who you expect to be mature, did something, it's possible none of us is infallible. But what should surprise you the most is if it was consistent. So now, your objection is not even to the fact that he did it. But you're now like, what kind of devotional structure permitted this? Was he praying? Was he studying? Was he fellowshipping with the spirit? And all of this continued. How could he continue so much with God? And this anger problem lingers. How could she continue so much with God? And continue to date her boss who is a married man. How could she or he? Continues along with God and consistently is involved in financial fraud. It is not possible. Listen, are you listening to what I'm saying? It's not possible. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to you is to have such a walk with God that is restricted. In such a way that God knows how much access he has to your heart. There are some matters you don't want him to bring up. Some of you know what I'm saying. You're just, you're just like, you know, I love you. Let's just talk about you, you know. Don't touch this part. Hallelujah. But God must have all of you for your prayer to be complete, for your worship to be complete. Let him 
I want to tell you this. Let him touch every aspect of your life. Let him beam the light on that darkness. For a for, for few seconds, you might feel exposed. But it will strengthen you. You can become such a professional that you will go through a fasting period. A fasting period. And there is still sin in your life. A lot of people have become good like that. It's a skill. It takes time. It takes experience. You, you must have been in church long enough to master that. Hallelujah. When I see a believer with the lenses of the spirit, I should be able to see scars from surgery in the place of prayer where God has dissected you, removed some things that are inconsistent, sealed you back. I, I must be able to see that. Things should not linger for too long. Because can I tell you something? If you're the type of person that I'm addressing, it doesn't matter how long you pray. It doesn't. Prayer will lose its effect in your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? So just imagine you have that structure. Let's take, for instance, a fasting curriculum. Every quarter I'm going to fast. It's going to be a season of realignment. You can forget who you are, even a man of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but if it lingers so long, like, what happened? So what I'm about to discuss with you is actually about your security. How can I know that I would remain consistently in the will of God? In ministry. Concerning the things that he will have me do. How can I know? That's one of the benefits of devotion. A man of devotion cannot be in error for long. Did you hear what I said? Please, what did I say? But the person who doesn't have a prayer life, a believer who doesn't have a prayer life, you've heard me say this before, will live a life of contradictions. He will know consistently, this is who I am meant to be, but he will still walk the other way. So there is that realignment. And what I'm talk talking to you about is not just Old Testament. You see, in Revelations, when Jesus appeared to... <laughs> John, this John that was so close to Jesus in the incarnation was even, you know, at one point the Bible says he rested his head on Jesus' stomach. You know, they were that close. The disciple whom Jesus loved. When the Lord appeared in his glory in the resurrection, the Bible says he fell down as dead. Hallelujah. That's what the glory does. That's what it does. That's what realignment does. It first surrenders you. It defeats you. It breaks all your defenses. Have you noticed that when you have someone you don't want to forgive, you find it difficult to pray? Because those th th the two cannot go hand in hand. It's not possible. One must go for the other. When you're beefing people, you don't pray. That's what I'm talking about. So when you know that no matter what, this is my prayer structure. 
it becomes a security. And no matter what the devil is trying to build, <laughs> he knows <laughs> by tomorrow morning it will be destroyed. And if some part of it is still left by noon when he prays again, it will be destroyed. Hallelujah. So that's more important than how long. Because prayer is never for clock's sake. Prayer is never for time's sake. Prayer is for fellowship's sake, for God's sake. And for your sake too. You come to a point where you realize that the real purpose of prayer is not what it can do for you, but what it does in you. That's what to look out for. What it does in you. How it repositions you. When it comes to duration, that's not as important. For instance, when you look at the prayer life of Jesus, the conclusion you have is that he was always effective. But Jesus prayed for long. Jesus also prayed short prayers. Peace be still. (laughs) That's prayer. Lazarus, come forth. That's prayer. But there were also seasons where he spent all night in prayer to God. So now, this is the balance of everything. Just to answer the question in a nutshell, how long must I pray? I put it this way, the prayer life of a believer must comprise, the prayer life of a believer must comprise of the balance of short and long prayers. If it must be effective. So now the focus is on effectiveness. Let me say that again. The prayer of a believer must comprise of the balance of short and long prayers. If he must be effective. First of all, as someone, you know, um, who's a student of the Bible. The fact that Jesus prayed short prayers and prayed long prayers does it for you. By the way. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, pray without ceasing. The NLT says, never stop praying. Amplified says, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. And someone can make, you know, an exegesis from this, and rightly so, that this means that prayer in our prayer, there must be consistency and tenacity, right? You must, you must have the discipline and the fortitude to be able to continue even when you're tired. He says, pray without ceasing. But guess what? Even if you pray 18 hours daily, that's still not without ceasing. It still isn't without ceasing. And so that should tell you that what First um, Thessalonians 5.17 is talking about is actually a daily life. Of consistent devotion in such a way that no matter what else you do, God and his name and his word is still on your mouth and on your lips and in your mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so for instance, the Bible tells us in John chapter 12, Jesus was teaching. And halfway in the teaching, in verse 28, he stops. He looks to God and he says, Father, glorify your name. And God replied immediately. Talk about speedy answers to prayer. Says, I have glorified it and I will yet glorify it again. Hallelujah. Some people heard it. The people who were there heard it. It was like a thunder from the skies. But they heard it. Incredible, right? But it, it, was, it was in the midst of his discussion. 
especially those of you who are career people. You know, Daniel is a good example of the fact that you can have such a busy career and still have a prayer life. So it's possible. Just like I told you, was it on Tuesday? I said, make sure you keep that environment alive. When you're driving um, to work or maybe in the public vehicle, what do you do? What are you listening to? That's the time to mutter some words of prayer, to make some declarations. And like Jesus, you can have pauses during the day just to say a word. You know, you know it can be a sentence or two or three. It's important. Both are important. In fact, I believe that there are, there are some victories that, that will be, I mean, that you're going to miss out of if you don't learn short prayers. It's called the prayer of faith. We'll talk about that on Tuesday. But today we want to talk about the longer prayers. You know, when the Bible says persevere, perseverance in prayer. I have a teaching on it. I'm just going to touch on some things that I probably did not talk about in the other teaching, and then we'll move on. Come on, are you in church today? So what does the Bible have to say about this? Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I'm going to move fast because of time. The Bible says, Then he spake a parable to them, Thank you, Jesus. That men always ought to pray and not to lose hearts. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, Luke 18, verse 1, read together, one to go. Come on, are you in church? Read together, one to go. Hallelujah. So Jesus taught the disciples that prayer has a lot to do with heart. <laughs> he says, don't lose heart. So he's letting them know tenacity and consistency are very important in prayer. You cannot have a prayer life if you're not tenacious, if you're not consistent. He associated heart with prayer. Hallelujah. He could have just simply said, men ought always to pray. But he says, and not lose heart. Because you see, one stands in opposition to the other. If you're going to have a prayer life, <laughs> you must have that fortitude to be able to continue. Even when it's difficult. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a teaching in the word of God. Hallelujah. And the first teaching I did about I, um, this month, it was a, a, a Tuesday. I wanted to go listen to it. I touched on that. But I just want to touch on three things that perseverance in prayer does for you. Perseverance in prayer. Three things that it does for you. Number one. It is important for consecration. Number two, it is important, it is important for consistency. Number three, it is important for conviction. What is number one? 
What is number two? And what is number three? Now, the consecration part, I've already touched on it a little. All right. That's how I started. But you see this. When Jesus was about to start his ministry, the Bible says he fasted for long. 40 days. He prayed. 40 days. When he was about to go to the cross, he also prayed for long. So, there is something about long praying that aligns us with God's plan, with our destiny, with God's schedule for our life. It's important. One of the most popular texts in this church is Acts chapter 13, right? It says, as the minister to the Lord and fasted, in Acts chapter 13 verse 2, as the minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work where unto I have called them. But you see, when you just read that, you would think it was in a service like that, like this. Just maybe two hours. Minister to the Lord and fasted. If you were somewhere praying for two hours, will you say you fasted? So, for the Bible to say they fasted, that means that meeting must have lasted 12 hours. Are you with me? Is that simple enough? Otherwise, they just had a prayer meeting. Don't say you fasted. You had a long meeting, and so you were not able to eat. Is that straightforward? But if the Bible says they ministered to the Lord and fasted, it probably lasted more than a day. And so for more than a day, what they were doing was fellowshipping with God, you know, just loving on him. And whilst they were at it, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work where unto I have called him. Can I tell you something? There are key instructions in your life that you will miss if you don't have a consistent prayer life. It's important for consecration. That's number one. <laughs> key instructions you will miss. A person with a consistent prayer life, like I said earlier, cannot be in error for long. You cannot find yourself doing the wrong thing for long. Ah, the voice of the Lord will find you there. What are you doing in this job? Stand up. <laughs> Hallelujah. What are you doing with this fellow? Stand up. This guy you are dating is a deceiver. He's lying to you. I, I personally don't believe that a believer ought to marry someone and then discover after marriage that the person is not who the person said he is. It shouldn't be. It's an error. That a believer will spend 10 years maybe doing the wrong job. How? Five years in the wrong relationship. How? Seven years in the wrong endeavor. How? Give yourself to praying. I told you on Tuesday in Acts 13, these guys were not even praying, Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me. They were just fellowshipping. There are some things that are the benefit of fellowship. Especially when you give it time. You come out clear. You come out precise. Hallelujah. For instance, I wonder we interest you. You know, I'd already made up my mind, September, I'm back in Lagos. But in this prayer time, the Lord said, there's more work. There's more. Stay, stay, stay. 
I know you. That one will interest you. <laughs> Don't tell the Lagos people yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But let it be a lesson for your own personal life. Personal life. I can't be in error for long. I, I have to know. I have to know. What is the Lord saying? What is the plan? A believer can never be in the dark for long. It's not possible. Not for long. Come on. Where is your structure? Where is your security? What happened to your devotion? How did you not know? Also, you see, the Bible says that it is God who works in us both to will and to what? To do of his good pleasure. Listen, another thing that long prayer does for you is to furnish you with the energy to follow through with that plan. In Acts chapter 13, after the, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas, they didn't just close the prayer and say, oh, Father, thank you for answered prayers. Now we know what to do. Mm -mm. The Bible says they prayed and fasted more to prepare Paul and Barnabas for the assignment. That's what it does. Listen, if God has told you to do something, and somehow, you, you know, you are reluctant, you just, you, don't, you just don't have that drive, pray. Don't go about telling everybody, the Lord said I will be this in two years. The Lord said I will be this. There is something psychologically here, when you keep telling people about your plans, you, you know, it's just like Jesus, when he said, when you, when you pray for everybody to hear you, you have your reward. When you tell everybody about your plans, you know, you, you have that psychological satisfaction as if it has already happened. And you're just like, oh, yes, they like the plan. And many times you don't follow through. Here is a better strategy. Pray! Spend some time. Listen, it's not the Bible way to start anything significant without prayer. It is not the Bible way. Some of us only pray when we, we tried, we're halfway, it now do not work. And I'm like, God, show yourself. And it's like, really? Really, bro? <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't start anything significant. And that's what it does. The consecration. <laughs> you know, so, so prayer is like a shield. It keeps, up, keep, keeps us on track. Keeps us on track. Even if it's a plan of God that you started, you started well, and you're deviating, prayer will bring you back. Come on, are you listening to me? It will keep you on track. That's what it does. Very important for consecration. And like I said earlier also, if there are things that are growing in your life, all right, that can hinder God's plan, prayer will also curb it. I don't believe a man who has a prayer life can be proud. I don't believe it. If you see a proud man, something is wrong. Something is wrong with that devotion. Hallelujah. Prayer softens your heart towards people. So let me just put this in a nutshell. A man of prayer will be preserved in destiny. You, you, you know, there is just that alignment, that precision, that consistency. Which leads me to the second one, and I'm not going to spend time on this because I've taught on it 
in the first teaching on perseverance in prayer. Just go and listen to that. Make sure you listen to that. You've not listened to this sermon until you listen to that to at least have a foundation. All right. Consistency. If you only pray when you feel like praying, you will not have a prayer life. If you only pray when you feel like praying, you will not have a prayer life. That's a fact. Hallelujah. So that discipline of consistency is what long prayers do for us. That discipline of consistency. And when you're consistent, and when you, you know, permit me to say this. Do you know why long prayers sometimes ought to take time? Has it ever happened to you that after 40 minutes, it's as if you just started? The reason why it takes time like that is not God. It is you. It's because of the world you live in. A lot of things have latched onto you, latched onto your mind. Hallelujah. So when you start, you know, what the word of God and the spirit of God is first doing is to tear down, tear down. You, sometimes you can't even see clearly. So it takes time. This is still under the first point of consecration. It takes time. So you stay there. Especially when all your friends are doing something. You, you know, there's a way you claim to be asking God for his will, but you already have an idea. <laughs> but if you spend time, you will see clearly. Hallelujah. So now you might never see a biblical prescription. You must pray two hours daily. You, may, you must pray three hours daily. So why do we have prayer times? For the discipline of consistency. Because if you think the day the Holy Ghost says pray, you will be ready. You are joking, no? Has it ever happened to you that you knew the Lord wanted you to pray? In the past, though, let me say, maybe not now, Abi. Let me hype you small. And you did not pray. The Lord nudged you. And you still did not pray. He woke you up in the night. You woke up in the night. You knew this is the Lord. First of all, my sleeping habits, I don't wake up at night. I'm not that type of person. Even if you tap me, except if you give me blue. But I, on my own, I woke up. And I felt that nudge to pray. But instead, I just looked through my phone, went to the toilet, came back, and slept. Hallelujah. Now, if you're that type of person, hey, hey, hey. If you're not in trouble already, you should do something. So you set an alarm. You start training yourself. Praise the name of Jesus. Not because the Lord asked you to. <laughs> but you cannot be consistent in the will of God without a prayer life. You start disciplining yourself. Why is it that after five minutes of prayer, I, I feel as if I want to die? It, that has to change. That has to change. And the reason that has to change is for the last point. I'm, I'm moving fast because of time. The last point is what? Now, let me say this. You've heard teachings on Rema, right? Rema. And semantically, the teachings are not correct. I can tell you that categorically. The popular explanations are not correct. 
that, okay, um, the devil was tempting Jesus, you know, and he said, do this. And Jesus said, it is written. And the devil did not leave. The devil tempted Jesus again. And Jesus said, it is written. And then the devil did not leave. So finally, Jesus said, it is said. You know, so he caught a rhema word. Hallelujah. First of all, I can show you from the scriptures. Rema and Logos mean the same thing. They are used interchangeably. Praise the Lord. For instance, um, when the Bible is telling us about the conversion of Cornelius, the Bible says, whilst he yet spoke these Logos, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard Rema. So, he used the two interchangeably in the same sentence. And that's how they were used throughout the Bible. Praise the name of Jesus. In the first place, what was written was first said, wasn't it? Many people recorded the voice of God. So, you can't really separate what is written from what is said. But listen, there is a way. That's why, you see, many theologians, they don't have the power of God in their life. Because they bother themselves with semantics and they miss the point. The point is this. The point the people who teach Rema are trying to achieve is this. It takes time for the word of God to grasp, or I, I mean to take a hold of your heart. It takes time. It takes time. And many times when you have stayed on it, you know, you're consistent in the place of prayer. The same word that will set you ablaze is a word that you've always known. Has it happened to you before? A word you always knew. That's what they're trying to describe. They just use wrong semantical terms. They use rema, you know. And they say, what is rema? Rema is revelation. No, not true. Apocalypsis is revelation. If you're talking about Greek words. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the point is this. It takes time. It takes time. And this is... This is where a lot of people don't understand the difference between long prayers and short prayers. What furnishes us with the authority to make short prayers are actually long prayers. Long prayers previously made, secretly made. It's what gives us the audacity to come out publicly. To make some declarations. The people who always make short prayers... Check. One thing you will see is this. You have this hit and miss experience. Sometimes the prayers work. Sometimes they don't. If you want consistency in your short prayers, pray long prayers. And one of the best examples is the example of Elijah. Hallelujah. You know, when you're reading 1 Kings, you know, chapter 18, you know, you just see that Elijah went and declared there shall be no rain <laughs> three years and a half according to my word but James gives us more insight in James chapter 5 the Bible says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that he should not rain so before he went out to make the declaration he actually prayed no one saw his prayer they only heard his public declaration. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now he prayed. He prayed for long. He prayed until he knew that he knew that he knew. And then he came out. And you know, when people heard him say, 
three years and a half, no rain. Everybody was like, boss, hey, I wish I can declare. I wish I can declare. Praise the Lord. A lot of people, you know, it's just like the children of Israel and Moses. They were waiting for the man for 40 days. And after 40 days, he came down with 10 sentences. 40 days. Is God such a slow writer? Think about Maybe you never thought about that. And so now, that encounter has caused his face to glow. But you, when you come, all you have is that written word. You know, and you want to say it the way he said it. And get the same results. It doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. You have to do what they did to see what they saw. It will take time. Hallelujah. So he said Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are like you. He could feel tired in a service like this. Under this heavy anointing, some people are still closing eyes that I'm looking at now. <laughs> he was a man subject to like passions as we are. He could feel sleepy. But the Bible says, but he prayed earnestly. Hallelujah. So you take a hold of God's destiny for your life. You know, a lot of people, you know, they just say some words. Your friend is sick. You say, be healed, be healed, be healed. He's done. <laughs> then it gets worse. And you're like, oh, I don't even know this prayer thing. It's like it doesn't work. What do you mean? What do you mean? My friend, go and pray. Go and pray. Hallelujah. Look at Jesus. Look at when he was preparing for the cross. The Bible says he went in three times, praying the same thing. Does that mean he didn't have faith? Listen, there has to be an inner intelligence to nod you. You will know when it's okay. You will know. You will know. Many times you make these declarations, you know you are not done. But because you have a busy schedule, you know, and understandably so, you just move on. Sometimes because you are just plain lazy. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you have to spend the time there. Spend the time. You, listen, you might know it in your head. You know, I will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Take it. Sit down. Meditate. Speak in tongues about it. When you're done, it will grab you in a different way. Hallelujah. I look back at my work with God. Every time I spent time fasting, something drastic changed. Some of you are agreeing. You know what I'm saying. Something, something drastic changed. Say that's my life. It's a, it's a separate discipline, a separate teaching. That discipline, not to take no for an answer. You sit like this, you know, and he's praying. The Bible says he put his head in between his knees and he's praying. You know, sometimes we see funny postures in church and we even mock people. <laughs> dear, dear. He, you know, he was praying like this. And he told his, his servant, he said, go and check. Check the cloud. He came. He said, I didn't see anything. He, he prayed again. He said, go and check again. Go and check again. He went. I didn't see anything. He prayed again. 
Go and check again. The servant might have been like, this man, give up. This prayer thing does not work. You are a man of God, but it didn't work this time. Move on. A lot of us give up too easily. But Jesus taught us something about prayer. He says, a man ought always to pray and not to lose heart. He's telling you, if you want to have a victorious prayer life consistently, you have to have the nerve, the audacity to say, no, it must change. It must change. So seven times. And even the seventh time, what he saw was not convincing. He said, I see something small. It's like a hand. It's like just a hand, a small hand in the sky. But that was what Elijah needed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then to stay, stir it up, build it up well, insist on it. It's called staying power. Glory be to God. We might have been done fasting and praying. First of all, that's not our last fast this month. The last 10 days of the month, we're still going to fast again. So, we're just taking a break, right? If you're excited, say glory. glory. Hallelujah. Even if you're not excited, we will do it. Hallelujah. I'm your trainer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But some of you, you know you can't even go and break at all. You know. You know. Continue. Continue. You know, I've told you this story before. I surrounded. One day in school, the Lord said that I should spend the whole day fellowshipping with him. So I was wondering, we have lectures. How are we going to do it? But I just picked my Bible. Okay, I, I woke up very early in the morning. I prayed, prayed for long. Went for the first lecture. And then we waited 30 minutes. The lecturer did not come. And then someone came and announced, today has been declared a lecture-free day. I said, I heard from God. <laughs> so I went somewhere. I studied. I prayed. I, and this was the hard part. The Lord said, throughout today, make sure your mind does not stray. This is the hard part. See, listen, that one is hard. He said, till evening, focus your mind on me and me alone. So I did that. It was 6 p.m. We had this prayer in the university chapel then, just outside. So I went to pray. You know, um, by God's grace, by then I had already begun to see miracles. So at that time, when I pray like that, people usually come, you know, to me after the prayer to pray with them if they, they are sick or stuff like that. But that day was different. And I didn't even realize it was different. Just staying. <laughs> Morning till evening. So someone came, said, sir, I've not been, you have to understand this is outside the chapel, outside. Said, I've not been able to sleep for days. I touched her forehead. She fell to the ground and slept off. I'm, I'm on the road. They carried her to the hostel. Another person came. He said, I want to be filled with the spirit. I touched him on the forehead again. He spinned. About four times, fell to the floor, busted in tongues. Another person came. said, my hand was stiff. You see, there was an audacity. As he said, my hand is stiff, I 
pulled it out. Are you listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> so, after everything, I was like, was I crazy? But that's what prayer does. It helps us function normally. Listen, that's how we are actually destined to be. And then he stepped upstairs. I saw a lady that I had known for months. And she had a demon spirit. And I didn't know. It was in an office too. So I said, lock the door. I confronted the demon. The demon spoke out. And I said, come out in three minutes. Praise the Lord. And then she fell to the floor, woke up. What happened? I said, my sister, don't worry. Sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's my life. It's time to function normally. We don't really have so much time in this service, but you will take it anyway. Let me tell you this. I'm still going to teach on it more as we go on. If you master the, concentra uh, the concentration aspect of prayer, a person who has learned to concentrate in 20 minutes will gain more than a person who prays for five hours and does not know how to concentrate. Tested and proven. You will try it now, you will see. In, in your book, we're going to pray just about 10 minutes, but in 10 minutes, you know, don't look at your phone. Don't think of anything else. Just be conscious of the glory of God and stir up glory. Are you ready to do that? Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. If you're sick in your body, this is your moment. This is your moment. That sickness is about to drop off you now. Hallelujah. So, I'm not even going to be hyping you with the mic. I'm going to pray also. But you have 10 minutes. Begin to pray right now. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.